0: (laughs) Okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joe, seen that movie? I have you seen He's it in the movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. In our 670 The Score
1: studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to
0: Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck. He didn't, he, no, no. I'll oh, talk to D Rose. Yeah, you got you're gonna make it Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour. Of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls five days a week. Locked on Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Right now, we are very, very pleased to welcome to Locked on Bulls. I'm personally thrilled. I know Jordan is too. He is an Evanston native, a Northwestern grad, a diehard Bulls fan. Uh, and an actor, best known for his role as Matt Saracen on the hit TV show Friday Night Lights. He is Zach Guilford, a.k.a. QB1. Zach, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, man. It's a pleasure.
2: No, it's the pleasure is all mine. And I, actually, I, I kind of um, always joke, but it's not a joke at all, that I'm so happy that kind of the thing that broke me in any way was a sports show because it's given me the opportunity to, like, be on the field at a base. Game or sit on the Florida Bulls game, um are the best perks I could ever get from a career. Not that I get to do it regularly, but that I ever had the opportunity to, it's been <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's so. I, I mean, I remember even I was at a game once, and well, actually, I guess I threw out the opening pitch for the White Sox, which was a huge honor because I grew up a White Sox fan. My family had uh, season tickets, so we would drive all the way down to the South Side from Evanston. Um, but I threw out the pitch and. Um, I went on the field for like batting practice, and you know the publicity guy or introducing me to the players, and you know they're all nice and course We're Like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, nice. But you know they're in the zone; they're getting ready for the game. And as um, Quentin came up, he's like, "Oh yeah, nice to meet you." It was like you know the year he was having his best year. And then all of a sudden he looks at me, he goes, "Holy shit!" dropped his helmet and his bat and hugged me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" And I was like, "Like, I can't believe this is happening to me." Um, You know, getting to go in the locker room and stuff—the kind of moments that I think every fan dreams of, just getting to be there—and it it was really cool.
3: Or Carlos Quentin. I mean, he had a one-hit wonder, one-year wonder, where he was in the All-Star game. I think he was in the All-Star game at the at Yankee Stadium. Um, But my first question for you, Zach, is. Are you ready to take the claim of being probably the the most known celebrity to endorse an ambassador of the Chicago Bulls? Matt and I went back and forth multiple times over the last few weeks. We're like, you know, every NBA team out there seemingly has somebody that is a staunch, just diehard fan, um, more so about the basketball than the actual brand, and it's more so because where they come from, but me and him are going back and forth. We're like, the Bulls don't have anybody like that. Maybe it was was different back when Jordan played, but right now, like since they haven't been like sort of a finals contender, are you ready to take that title?
2: (laughs) I would be honored to take that title. Uh, I don't know that it's true. I'm sure I could come up with someone a little more high profile than myself, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's so lucky now with whether it's the internet or you know i don't know satellite whatever tv just that you know you can be wherever and you can still watch the games and you know and overseas and finding ways to like watch games that uh i don't know i i don't even remember how i got so into well i know i got really into the bulls because i was you know nine years old when there the wasn't friendships so much in jordan and everything right um you know my family wasn't They weren't a sports family that's like, oh, we all watch every game and do da 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 So I don't know. For some reason, um, I just – I don't know. I love Chicago sports. My best friend, uh, (laughs) Mitch, joked at my wedding. He was my best man, and he said, you know, I remember when we were growing up and we were all playing sports, and Zach was trying to play sports. Um, So I wasn't the most gifted athlete, but I really appreciated it.
0: (laughs) Well, you're talking about being a diehard fan from back in the day. It, growing up as a, as a Chicago kid in the 90s, I'm right there with you. So it's really easy to fall in love with this team when that's how you get to know the sport of basketball. Um, I, I got to call you out on something that I found on YouTube Uh-oh. earlier today when I was doing my research. Apparently, you are such a diehard fan as a teenager that you and your friend gave each other in-home tats and you got one of Scottie Pippen. Is this accurate?
2: a tattoo it says pip 33 um yeah it so it was the year that jordan retired for the first time he's off playing baseball and i was like but fuck that guy pippen's the best player in the league i'm gonna get a pip 33 tattoo and uh yeah i still have it to this day but i have not gotten another tattoo since i kind of learned my lesson
0: have you ever um, come across scotty and have you ever showed him the tat in person oh dude it was one of the most horrific moments of my
2: life so i was i was like, no, to kind of uh, form a friendship with Steve Shanwald, you know, the infamous, or not infamous, but, you know, the guy who was there who um, at the lottery when, when we got the first pick 10 years right. ago or whatever yeah. it was
4: now. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I actually, he invited me to be his guest to that night, but I was working, I couldn't make it. So I was bummed about that. But uh, I was at a game and Steve was like, Zach, come here, I got a surprise for you. I'm like, what? He's like, come here, come here, come here. So he takes me over and he introduces me to, to Scotty and my wife's there with me. And I'm like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. He's like, hey, yeah, nice to meet you, too. And then um, <laughs> Steve, Steve goes, hey, show him your tattoo. And I was like, no, no, no. He's like, show him your tattoo. He'll love it. He'll love it. And I'm like, oh, God. I mean, I am like, I was 13. You know, it's so embarrassing to show him. He's like, oh, OK. OK. <laughs> Clearly a little weirded out. And then my wife is like, yeah, and his dog's name is Pippin, too. And I'm like, well, and then my wife, I'm like, I mean, you know, my favorite player. And then my wife goes, and the dog's a girl. I'm like, it's a last minute unisex. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell like, all right, well then slowly backing away from like, you know, this weird guy with a tattoo and a dog named
0: after him. That's fantastic.
3: That really is. So I wanna get your take now. Let's talk about the bulls here, uh, modern day. Let's talk about like the last four years, maybe three years even if you want to talk about the transition from um, somebody that I think this entire city fell in love with, and before we started recording, we you were kind of getting into how you felt Derrick Rose was treated at the end of his time here, and then kind of the transition to this being Jimmy Butler's team, and obviously those things didn't work out. Um, and now the Bulls hitting the full reset, so let's go back. Uh, obviously, huge Derrick Rose fan. I'm assuming. Uh, talk to us about how yeah. you felt. Maybe the front office treated Derrick Rose. Like how you felt. Maybe other fans feel the same way too. Still here in the city. Well, he was kind of treated at the end of uh, the end of his tenure here at the Bulls.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I guess now that I even think about it, it all started with the way they treated Thibodeau. That was. I don't understand. Like the whole thing in the front office and them just wanting so badly to bring Hoiberg. I mean, which. You know, you can't, like, hear rumors of something for so long, and then you don't even talk to another coach and you hire this guy. It's, like, clearly they just want to get rid of Thibodeau and
5: brain.
2: And then, I don't know, the way they kind of just traded Derek to the Knicks for, like, I mean, but, you know, it's just kind of like they just wanted rid of it and then they, you know, kind of – I don't know, man. I could go – it just is all garbage. Like, every, every move they've done, there's, like, no loyalty. um, and, uh, you know, even think about, like, kind of how they got rid of Luol Dang. Um, I just feel like that whole core was just kind of dismissed um, in a very unceremonious way. And then when you see, like, those videos of, like, a tribute to Jimmy when he comes back to play the first time or something, like, why does that player be like, don't make a tribute to me? They keep trading <laughs> me away. You didn't want me. You know, like, no, thank you. Yeah, um,
0: that's, that's a fair point
2: yeah so and then if they made all these moves and they treated players this way but we had a quality team that looked like it made sense you'd be like all right you know it's kind of Machiavellian but the ends justify the means it just doesn't really seem like we're getting the ends that we want I've heard you guys talk a lot lately which I agree with it's like the best case scenario the next few years is we're just going to be in mediocrity again right um and I don't know I am not I mean I don't know him personally I don't you know, I hate, you know, especially on my team, I do not get the Levine signing at all. I actually, again, I'm such a hometown kid that in a way the Jabari Parker signing, I'm more excited about Cause there's just more heart there. Like there's more of a story there. And even with his two year deal, the upsides and the downsides, like, like I don't understand why we made those two contracts. It's like we should have done one or the other. Um, and now we're kind of just, Stuck. It's just a disappointing
0: time to be a Bulls fan, guys. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, Jordan and I try to find find the light and find the good uh this off season, and it's tough. I, you know, if you've been listening, you know how I feel about the Jabari signing. I don't think it makes any sense, and I think you bring up a valid point with like, all right, if you want to decide to match Levine, that's fine. If you want to sign Jabari because you let Levine walk, that's fine. Exactly. But like, you know, I worry about them clashing and you mentioned that you were not a fan of how they treated Tom Thibodeau when they kicked him out of town a few years ago. Um, And that uh, from another I think you were like talking on the Rich Eisen show a few years ago. You were talking about like, I'm not sold on this Fred Hoiberg hire. Uh, And you talked, you know, just now about how it seemed like maybe they were a little lazy in their quote unquote coaching search. Fast forwarding to now. You know, we're talking about, all right, Parker's going to clash. He's maybe not a great fit for this roster. Levine, neither of them play defense. We got all these young pieces, and it's on Fred to make it work this season because they want them to be competitive again. Do you believe in Fred Hoiberg at this point? Are you still, now that we've seen him actually get the kind of pieces that he wants, not convinced that he, he has what it takes to coach in the NBA?
2: I mean, and take all this with a grain of salt, that I'm an actor. (laughs) <laughs> not a <special laughs> basketball coach, um, but no, I'm not. I don't under, I, I don't. I can't say he doesn't deserve to coach in the NBA. I don't know, but he hasn't done anything to make me think he should be coaching this team. Like, um, uh, yeah, and I don't know who should be. That's the thing is, you go back to Thibodeau, and it really was like, why did you get rid of him? And how many years did they have to pay him just to walk away? Just one. Um, just when we one. Extra, perennial All Star team. Yeah. Not all-star team, I'm sorry, perennial playoff playoff
0: team.
4: team.
2: And so, yeah. Uh it just makes no sense. And they just, for whatever reason, were smitten with Hoiberg. And he hasn't, you know, I mean, here with Derek and Jimmy and, well, that should have been, wasn't that the year they were 500?
3: And they just missed the playoffs, too. Yeah, it was yeah. right at the end when Derrick Rose kind of it was kind of that weird situation with him and Butler kind of butting heads and trying to figure out who is actually whose team this actually was. And they're like, eh, you know what? Derrick Rose got two busted knees. All right. We'll ship him off to the Knicks. Jimmy, it's your team. And then it all of a sudden turned pretty quickly where it was like, OK, now they said it was Jimmy's team. But then now they're not convinced that they want to invest in Jimmy long term, especially to Supermax. And Matt and I have argued with this and multiple Bulls fans for a long time about we still believe that the decision to trade him last year this summer was the right decision for this Bulls team moving forward. And like we talked about multiple times, and I've, I've tried to repeat this and drill this into Bulls fans' heads because I feel like sometimes it gets lost as like, What's the ultimate goal as a fan is you want them to compete for NBA finals. You want them to compete for championships. And we haven't, frankly, the Chicago Bulls haven't been back since the Michael Jordan days. And that's pretty sad. Like I was telling Matt, multiple first round eg- exits, one Eastern Conference finals appearance. So that's my disappointment. So I guess I got to turn it back to what we have already. Do you, are you buying into the Lowry market and hype? How do you like him as far as a player goes? Are you I like excited? him
2: plenty you know we need more time to see exactly what he's going to turn into i think he'll be great i actually agree with you that i i was like blow it up like get rid of jimmy if you're gonna do it just do it um and i i'm such a derrick rose truther that like I, you know i was rooting for Derek versus jimmy um and i honestly i don't know if it's because i'm not in chicago but like i i couldn't tell how much of like the rivalry between them was real and And created because I remember even the playoff game, I think it was versus the Bucks, and like Derek hit that game winning shot or game tying or something. They were just so complimentary of each other in like the post game interviews. I know, like, what else they, but if you do have an ego thing, you know, it's like even Scottie Pippen sat out of a game because Cooch Coach got the shot. Like,
4: right. Um,
2: you know, Jimmy was like, you know, Derek, that's my big brother, like, whatever. It's like it just seemed genuine. I feel like this whole rivalry is someone else is creating it, but I don't know.
0: And uh, what do you think about uh, the rookie? Well, I, we got two first rounders this year. Uh, Chandler Hutchison, I don't see being a big piece of this uh, team, at least to start off. But what what are your thoughts on Wendell Carter, the rookie from Duke? Uh, it impressed a lot of people in Summer League, but of course, Summer League is Summer League. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, who knows?
2: Yeah, I'm excited. As everyone's saying, you know, it's the board, but who else were you going to pick? There's part of me. That you know wanted them just to. I know that you were way against this, and I was like, ah, just take Michael Porter and see what happens. Like, take a risk, and and if it fails, it fails. Um, but you know, and then I. It's funny, like all the stuff you guys. I'm like, maybe shut him down for the year. That sounds like a good idea. Then another season, but, um, yeah, I just, we're, we're he's he's gonna be good enough. And maybe Jabari gives us enough wins and maybe Zach Levine takes a step forward where we're, we're not going to make the playoffs but we're going to be like a high lottery team and who knows what you get there and we're just stuck like we're just in you know such a you know NBA uh, purgatory or whatever you want to call it
0: yeah as a fan
2: so- that sucks and I feel like Chicago fans are informed enough to not be like oh cool we made the like we could
0: do that every year. It's like yeah, Zach, you're clearly not spending enough time on Bulls' Twitter because there are <laughs> insane fans out there who are like, dude, we're going to be the four seed this season. They're, those fans <laughs> exist. I think they're frigging nuts, but they, they are out there. A word from our friends at Postmates from an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12 pack of beers while you're watching The Last Dance, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. And that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what I eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every rost- from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. Chicago is doing a great job. A lot of restaurants are still doing uh, takeout and delivery, um, and Postmates is right there working with them to make sure us Chicagoans stay fed during these tough times. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where I'm getting my lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners one hundred dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code Locked NBA. That's code Locked NBA for one hundred bucks of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days. When you download the Postmates app, anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it.
2: Well, nice way to walk through life, like to have that confidence. And- <laughs> Uh but we don't know old those people are. They're maybe twelve, you know? Anyone can be on Twitter.
3: That's very true. All right, I want to transition a little bit to like how your lives cross paths with maybe athletes. You talked about Scottie Pippen before, but I'm curious <sighs> Is are there guys that you've worked with or girls that you've worked with in the past that are staunch NBA fans like you are for the Chicago Bulls? And if you can think of one right off the top of the head, off the top of your head, while it's whatever project you were working on, um, just every day it was like some something came up about the NBA and they were willing to conversate with you. Can you point out any of those like diehard hardcore NBA fans that maybe people aren't normally used to thinking of them in that light that you've kind of noticed from behind the scenes?
2: Oh man, I'd I'd really have to think about it because I feel like I'm a little more of a diehard sports fan than a lot of actors are. Like everyone has their team and they're excited, but I spend a lot of time talking to the crew about it. Um, And I was fortunate. I got to work on a show for like six months in Chicago, which was not the highlight of my career, the actual show, but being in Chicago is one of the highlights of my career. And like getting to be around a crew all day of like blue collar Chicagoans and just talk sports. That was like heaven for me. Um, we literally, they would. It was like a. It was a um, show, so it was set in a hospital. And like, if there was a Monday night game that the Bears were, playing, like all the like flat screens in the quote hospital would put the Bears game on so we could watch it between takes. Um, that, that's awesome. Which was pretty. I've never seen that in any other city that I've worked in. Uh, so that was pretty cool. You know, I'm trying to think of like a diehard fan that I can think of and. Off the top of my head, I can.
0: Well, I mean, not. you were telling us before we started uh, this interview that there is a, a, a Bulls fan of of some kind that you're actually working on something with right now. Oh. <laughs> she, she's most famously known for being an actress, uh, an actor herself, and also the spouse of one Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union. Tell us what's going on with that project.
2: Um. Yeah. So no, I'm excited about that. We start shooting it next month. It's it Play Finest, and it's a it's a spin. It's a TV show spinoff of from the Bad Boys movie franchise.
0: Oh, hell Um, yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: so it'll be fun. It's her and Jessica Alba, and it's basically, you know, bad girls instead of bad boys. And uh, it's a really fun show. It's the same, like, kind of tone and everything as the movie. Um, Big action show with a lightness sort of humor to it. Uh, But, you know, it's actually the second time I worked with Gab. We did a small, small movie like, six years ago in upstate New York. And um, it was right after Miami had lost to Dallas in the finals. And Dwayne actually, like, came up <laughs> to, like, just get away from everything. <laughs> and we are in the middle of nowhere. Like, we didn't even – it's a movie where, like, we didn't even have trailers. We just had, like, a room in the house. We, like, one room for the four cast members to just sit in between stuff. And, like, Dwayne, you know, just came and kicked it. And, I, you know, as a huge – you know, I've always been a Dwayne Wade fan, but that was the year. You know, like my the wallpaper on my phone was Taj dunking over him from an
0: Oh playoffs. yeah, dude, I was at that um, game. That was like one of the highlights of my life.
2: <laughs> oh, it was amazing. So it was fun, like being like, "Oh, dude, look at my wallpaper." He's like, "Yeah," like, serious. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, "Oh, dang." Um, but he couldn't have been like nicer and kinder, and it was just so cool to see. I mean, it's Dwayne Wade. It's like a legend. It's a Hall of Famer to kind of be sitting with him and just he's just cool and normal
0: um yeah 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 but i mean the the, the real question is are you going to tell gab that uh her husband just robbed this organization blind and signing him was a gigantic (laughs) mistake and a waste of money because you need to have that conversation with gabrielle union no good
2: for them like (laughs) i mean why wouldn't you sign deal and and why would you be like well you know i'm from chicago so i guess i'll let you have that 25 million dollars you owe me i'm like no you want me to go you got to pay me like i have nothing but respect for that um and i kind of love it when nba organizations get for lack of a better word screwed over that way because it's like i don't know my wife and i were actually talking about this morning like with the nfl how players can just like lose their contract is it makes absolutely um and I know injuries, but it should be even more guaranteed because of injuries and stuff in the NFL and a career is over. But the fact that someone can just say, never mind, you're not employed anymore. It's like, oh, I thought I had a million dollars coming to me. Um,
3: That's been so, one of the biggest uh, arguments about, you know, the NFL players and all these standouts, uh, these kind of holdouts, especially for rookies, like the Bears – up until I think yesterday, still had their rookie. One out of the two rookies in the entire league had not signed, and Rokon Smith was one of them. Uh, but it's funny because NFL players are starting to talk about how these NBA players who, you know, yeah, their bodies are conditioned, but they're not taking the impacts that the NFL is, and their contracts aren't even guaranteed. And they, they look over at the NBA and these guys are getting, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's all guaranteed. So I think yeah. it's 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 totally true, and you're totally right about that. And I that's the only way that's the only only thing I could side Dwayne Wade with as far as making the move to Chicago and he does a lot of really good things around the city too that I think went underwhelmed but you're right it it sucks when your front office comes and tells you as a fan that we're going to get younger and more athletic and then you go out and sign Rajon Rondo and you sign Dwayne Wade and then basically Jimmy and Dwayne tear that entire locker room apart and then they got to hit the switch on the rebuild so but I I don't blame Dwayne Wade for getting the money I blame the front office for paying him that
2: Oh completely I mean it was I think I said this before recording necessarily, but, you know, there's been pains that I heard you guys say in, quote, defense of our packs, and I know that you're just trying to make the argument of, like, hey, okay, let's be objective about this. And every time that you make, it's like, oh, I guess that was kind of smart, um, you know, th- coming into the summer and then, you know, the Zach Levine extension, yeah, I guess I understand, and maybe it is smart, maybe it turns into this, and we own him he's young, and we still have all this, but then they sign your bar and you're like, wait, what are you doing? Like if you really had a plan, you just showed your cards that you don't. And like it's just a broken clock is right twice a day and anytime they get it right, it's because you have to be smart enough. You're a little smart to be an NBA exec. <laughs> so like you'll do some things right, but I don't see any direction to this franchise and anything that they call a game plan. It's like I d I don't buy it.
0: So do you think the problem lies with, I mean, you touched on the Reinsdorf family a little bit earlier, talking about the White Sox uh, as well. Do you think it's just a matter of replacing Foreman and Paxson, or do you think that what this team really needs is a new owner?
2: You know, I was listening to you guys' episode the other day talking about ownership, and I'd like to, I think you could probably, I feel like the Reinsdorf's, I, no, I don't, man, I don't, I think it's Garpack, you just got like, I feel like the owners have just given them so much leeway. I don't know why they listen to them because they haven't, they haven't done anything great. You know, they lucked into the Derrick Rose pick. That wasn't like strategy. And then from there, outside of that, it's like it's just they they can keep them mediocre. Like they've been really good at that. But um, if I were if I were the owner, I'd be like, you guys. I mean, how can he not see a billboard that is crowdfunded that says fire guard packs and not feel like, man, I should I should do something for my family. and these this front office hasn't done a ton for me.
0: Did did you contribute to that GoFundMe
2: page? Zach? hundred percent I contributed to that GoFundMe
3: page. <laughs> Matt has given me crap on this show for for I don't know, once or twice a week for the last Money year down and a half the train, man. This.
0: Money down the drain. Reinsdorf doesn't care. Gar doesn't care. Paxson doesn't care. It's a billboard. Waste of money. There's a handful of things
3: that will irritate Matt on this show that I like to bring up. The Gar Pax billboard is one of them. Jabari Parker signing was another. Uh, Another one is LeVar Ball, too. Uh, Matt likes to be destroyed by that. But going back to your conversation just about the Reinsdorf family in general um, and owning the team, I think there is a case there to make and say that uh, the way that they run their franchises is very family business oriented. And. Same with the way that the front office runs it. Uh, there's connections, a million connections you can make to different players and why they took somebody here. The Fred Hoiberg signing, like, two years in the making while Tom Thibodeau was still here. Like, you could even make connections to why they traded for Cameron Payne, you know, last year, two years ago. Right. And guys that were scouted, scouting him there, Gar really liked him. So, overall, I think um, Jerry Reinsdorf, I think, gets gets the – Short end of the stick as far as the Bulls go, just because a lot of people talk about him being focused on the White Sox. He loves baseball. He's already said it on record that he would rather go win one World Series than six NBA championships. But in that same token, like Bulls fans are complaining that they're cheap. But I said, if for the front office can commit to Jerry Reinsdorf and tell them that we've got something special brewing here. He's willing to spend. He's done it before they were in the position to do it in 2010. They just swung and missed. And like you, you, no, said, you're I completely right. And I'm not
2: worried about them spending money. I think it's just more, like we want to win. Absolutely. You know? And, and, and we, I don't know. I just, they feel slimy. <laughs>
3: like you your feelings I mean? it's like- are the same as the Bulls fans all over the place. Like you sit there and you're like, I can try and make a, a a a decent argument about them and positive things to say, and then you're like, at the same time, I'm sitting in on this fence and like, there's so many things that they've told us and done that it's like it's so hypocritical and it just doesn't seem like the way an NBA organization should be run. So I think your feelings as a Bulls fan can be projected among all the Bulls fans that are out there, or at least the majority of them.
2: And it's like, I had this weird thought the other day. I mean, as a kid, I always felt like first repeat, there was Paxson, and in the second, there was Steve Kerr. Like, they kind of had his roles, in a sense. Um, and we got stuck with the old school. We got stuck with Paxson. Look at what Steve Kerr has done. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, I don't know. I feel like maybe there's some weird loyalty to Paxson because of what he was to the Bulls in the 90s and, Ryan's or trust him so much, but yeah, I don't trust any of them. Like, I've heard you guys talk a lot about the, um, uh, and the, the, you know, the second pick we got in the first round
0: Chandler Hutchinson.
2: Thank you, Chandler Hutchinson. You know, and so many people are like, oh, it's because of the connection to his agent, yada, yada. And, but ultimately, it's like, well, it wasn't a bad pick. Like, who else were we going to take? But it is. It's like, it just feels slimy. And it's like, you don't want to feel that about your sports team. Like, sports are like an escape and yeah. it shouldn't feel gross. And I think that's a big problem with every, like we tune by them and we feel like they do shady stuff and it just makes you feel not awesome about your team and that that sucks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I I think you're right when you say, you know, we 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 love sports because it's an escape from the sliminess and the shit of all the other stuff in the world and you don't want to see that especially if it's a team that you've been cheering for your whole life. Um, all right, well, so let's not get too depressed about how slimy the bulls are. Um, Zach, I know this is, I know this is a bulls podcast, a basketball podcast, but I would get into so much trouble from all sorts of people, friends and family. If I, if I let you go without asking you a couple of questions about football and primarily TV football, um, I feel like a lot of people who go on to have all sorts of success in Hollywood and whether it be you know film and TV or stage acting or whatever it may be, that really get known and are known for a large part of their career as that that person from that show or that movie that they become known for because Friday Night Lights is just so adored and considered like one of the best TV shows ever, not just sports TV shows. like people are obsessed, myself included. Does it bother you that like when you hear? when people hear Zach Guilford, they immediately think Friday night lights, or is that something that you can, you know, just keep with you fondly for the rest of your life?
2: Definitely the latter. I mean, it's an honor. I think as an actor, um, you really, you're lucky if you get one project that, that becomes iconic in some sort of way, or that, that so many people love and adore and that they will stop you for and say, you don't understand what that show meant to me or that movie or whatever it is. So, Um, I, you know, I really appreciate it. It it was such a great experience for me. It made me a much better actor. It obviously opened every door to me that had been open to me. Um, but all of us, I know all of us who are on that show, uh, uh, it as like a badge of honor and not as like something we need to like distance ourselves from or, you know, uh, be embarrassed about. And, uh, and I think that it's pretty cool.
3: One of the coolest things I think about the TV show, and I think Matt and I were discussing this either a couple of days ago or right before this, um, just talking about how transcendent the, the TV show in general was, like an age just when social media was kind of on its... Cusp. It was just at its birth, like at the time, like YouTube was just starting, Twitter was just starting, Facebook was kind of on the up. Um, I I think it and appreciate how much people can relate to that TV show, or you can talk to somebody and most likely they've seen it. Very few TV shows. I feel like you can do that with. Um, are you? Do, how many times a day do you get Texas Forever? And how often? <laughs> and is it the same? Is it in the same light as maybe like Chadwick Boseman with Wakanda forever? Is it multiple times a day? And it, do you expect it to continue for like the rest of your life for a lot of people that are still young and loved the show and still continue to love the show?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not every day. Um, you know, it goes through ebbs and flows. It's weird. I, um, weirdly I get recognized more in Chicago than anywhere else. However, my favorite thing that's happened to me twice in Chicago and I love and it. It's never happened anywhere else. Is. So like my rule of thumb is if someone comes up to me and they're like, Oh, you look just like that guy from Friday night lights whatever, I'm like, Oh, cool. And unless someone says, are you him? I just am like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not going to lie <laughs> and say, no, it's not me, <laughs> but I'm not going to be like, Oh yeah, it's me. Hey, guess what? <laughs> um, but so anyway, finally there were two times was like, you look just like that guy. I'm like, Oh, cool. They're like, have you heard that one? Like that's crazy. No, he was like exactly like And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And they're like, no, like like I'm Like seriously, that's crazy. I'm like crazy. And they're like, what, it's, it's not you, right? I'm like, yeah, it is me. And they're like, you're <laughs> fucking lying. And they walk away. <laughs> like, and I'm like, you just dragged this out of me.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Actually, um there's,
2: there's one lie. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. You got the, you got another.
2: Oh, I was gonna say the only thing that actually lied was um, one time my. Convince me to go get a pedicure with her and I'm like sitting there getting a pedicure have, like my foot in the bath and I'm in the massage chair thing and uh, this woman's like oh my god are you Matt Saracen? I'm like nope no I'm not. <laughs>
4: Definitely not him
2: <laughs> hey you know what? <laughs> Definitely not him
3: in defense of you and your wife uh, Jim Tomei is known to be like an avid weekly pedicure guy like even throughout his career he was
0: uh,
2: well there you go
1: that. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, uh, Zach, another another FNL question for you. uh, And we appreciate how generous you're being with your time. This is I I just want to wear this as a badge of honor for the rest of my life. The first time I heard from you on Twitter via DMs is your response to me saying, hey, if you ever want to talk Chicago sports, I'd love to have you on either of my shows. P.S. I was rooting for Carlota. I, I never thought that Matt and Julie belonged together. I will wear this as a badge of honor. Your, your response, the first time we ever interacted, was you saying, I was rooting for Carlota too. Please expand upon that. Because can we all just get over how horrible Julie was to Matt Saracen in that show?
2: Oh my God. I preached it the whole time we were there. The whole time we were <laughs> shooting the show, I was like, I need to break up. Like, you treat me. like, <laughs> <laughs> And then I finally get this like really hot, older woman, Latin woman, and like, I'm like, yes. And then she just like kind of skates the whole show. I was like, I don't understand why Matt is so in love with this chick and why the world is like Matt and Julie, Matt and Julie, you guys belong together. I was like, no, we
0: don't. No, (laughs) She's mean. And Carlota was such a sweetheart. (laughs) She was, she was a wonderful young lady. Um, all right. Last one. Uh, do you still keep in touch with Connie Britton on a regular basis or at least occasionally? And, uh, can you hook a buddy up with her phone number? Because I have had a serious <laughs> crush on her since I started watching FNL years and years and years ago. Uh,
2: we, I mean, I we live in the same neighborhood, so I actually ran into her recently. Um, but I don't know if I could give you her phone number. I'd have to ask her first. Oh, the next time I run into her, I'll be like, hey, there's this guy. There's uh, <laughs> this is
0: Bulls blog. But, uh, yeah, He's got podcast. a Bulls podcast. <laughs>
2: He's got a Bulls podcast, and... I mean, I'm a big Bulls fan, so I vouch for him in that respect.
0: Hey, I mean, if she's looking for a younger guy, I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm hip. I'm with it. And, oh, my God, I would, I would treat her like the queen that she is. <laughs> that's,
2: that's the way you should treat any woman.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. But, I mean, Tammy Taylor, whew, man, crush hard. And any, <laughs> any of those uh, kind of crushy feelings between cast members when, when that show was being shot, I'm sure you get that question all the time.
2: Uh, we were pretty good about, that. I, found, I, I used to work with, um, like high school kids and do, um, like backpacking trips where you take them backpacking for like weeks at a time. And, you know, when you take a group of 12 teenagers, inevitably a couple of them hook up, but then inevitably there's drama within that short period of time. So I, going into that situation was like, I'm going to stay away from all these people in any way outside of just like friendship. <laughs> cause it will just cause drama. Um, That's... but it is, we were pretty lucky, and I think that's why we're all still pretty friendly these days.
3: Zach, well, I got one final question for you here. Uh, yeah, talking one about one. Friday Night Lights, and I'm thinking about all of the sports TV shows and the stuff that Netflix has done in Hulu uh, just after the fact of that. And like Hard Knocks, I felt like, was kind of a push for that. But I was telling Matt that I feel like some of these shows that are so popular now, you look at Last Chance You, and while wow, that's kind of a documentary series more so than um a a television series i look at that and say is do you feel that kind of impact as far as a a sports show that's kind of been transcendent among people and obviously sports being really popular Um, But do you feel that when you see like uh, shows like Last Chance You or some of these quarterbacking uh, shows with high school kids and uh, people, how engaged people are in high school sports? Because you look at it even at the basketball level in the AAU, how many people are willing to go on Facebook or Twitter and watch a live feed of them? So do you see how that uh, transitions at all from going from Friday Night Lights and then now just seeing the explosion of everything in media and how a lot of it's kind of tailored towards that?
2: Well, you know, I think it's. I remember Pete Berg, the guy who created Friday Lights. He said he was making a movie. Like, oh my God, this needs to be a TV show. The used car salesman is such a character. Like, I want to get in, like, know about him. And as opposed to just tell the story of this team, this one season, and you know, it's all about the state championship they get to. It's, what's interesting is every individual who like is in love with this team and how this affects all their lives. And you can only do that in TV show. So that's why he created the show. And I think there's so many people that you know, I'm a football fan, I love that show. And it's because you watch, and it's not about football, it's about these individuals, these characters. um, And you start to care about them. And then you put it into, like, a documentary setting, like Last Chance You, which my wife and I are huge fans of, or even All or Nothing, or, um, you know, like you said, Hard Knocks. Um, You see these people as individuals, as people you know their stories, and you start to root for them or against them, but you root for them. And it just makes you so much, like, the team success, Becomes your success. And that's, you know, that's kind of what Friday Night Lights thing was was like this community hinged on the success or failure of this team um, and the pressure that put on these young kids' shoulders. But then you see that in real life in the docuseries. Um, yeah. So, you know, my wife and I, I'm very fortunate if we like sports and, um, you know, will indulge me in watching these series, but like even All or Nothing, and it seems like every season of All or Nothing or Hard Knock, she's like, I'm a Buccaneers fan this year. <laughs> that's my guy. you're like we're like you know oh now i'm a now i'm a dallas cowboys fan and she's like what they cut Dazzle." Well, i guess i understand but uh, still like <laughs> it's just uh you get to know these people and it's uh hard not to root for them
0: that that's a that's the dream man that's the dream that you got to find yourself uh, a life partner who loves sports and will tolerate your obsession with sports as much as you can like that's good for exactly. you man <laughs> uh, Zach, uh, we really appreciate you stopping by the show and, and being so generous with your time once again, he is Zach Guilford actor, Chicago native, diehard Bulls fan uh, if you want to bug Zach about Friday Night Lights or the Chicago Bulls, you can follow him on Twitter at Zach Guilford uh, 713, Zach, enjoy living out there on the West Coast, if you ever get homesick Locked on Bulls is always here for you if you want to talk some Chicago sports, buddy <laughs>
2: Right, thanks, guys. I appreciate
3: it. it good talking to you. Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Once again, want to thank our guest in Zach Guilford. You can follow him on Twitter at zachgilford 713 You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked on Shy Bulls, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com, and the Dash Radio app. I'm the nothing a butnet channel. We're live on Dash Radio Every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. Our text and voicemail line is at 331-979-1369. Hit us up with all of your voicemails this week and your text messages, your reaction, or just thoughts on the Bulls coming up this year. We want to hear from you. 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley and our guest, Zach Guilford. We want to thank you, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back on Monday with a fresh episode. For Jordan, for Matt, for Zach, we are out Bulls Nation. Deuces.
6: Hey, it's Noah Kozlov from Rejecting the Screen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam Stenko and I get together twice a week to talk hoops with folks who have touched the NBA on all sorts of levels, from all-stars, coaches, executives, and media members. Recently, the number three pick in the 2006 NBA draft, Adam Morrison, joined us. To tell a story about how Kobe Bryant, his former Lakers teammate with whom he won two rings, went above and beyond to lift his spirits.
5: It was a year after I was out and so I wasn't playing, obviously, and I was really depressed and I was basically a hermit in my own house and I didn't go out in the community at all. And, and, you know, if he did, it was one of people asking me, why aren't you playing? And I was, you know, I'm 26 at the time or whatever I was and, you know, number three pick and just really low point in my life. and. I get a text from Robert Laura, the, the Lakers security, and was Kobe's like one of his best friends. And he said, hey, what's your address? Uh, I got something in the mail for you. And I get the package, and it's um, an autographed jersey from Didier Drogba, um, who is my favorite player. I'm a Chelsea fan. You know, it was from Kobe. And game-worn jersey, you know, signed Didier Drogba, to Adam Best Wishes. And I always thought Kobe you know, made a phone call, which is, would be fine. It's still cool as shit. It's unbelievable. The night he passed, I'm scrolling through reading everything and I'm emotional and on Chelsea's, you know, Instagram page, it's him with Didier Drogba, holding up a Jersey and it says to Adam best wishes. So he went up to my favorite player, wow. got it signed for me without me even asking and sent it to me when he knew I was, was low. That's, that's what Kobe Bryant was, man. He was just one of those dudes who understood his own aura.
6: When four-time All-Star
5: Sean Marion
6: hung out with us, not only did he tell us that he tried to recruit Kobe Bryant to the Suns the summer that the Suns ended up signing Steve Nash and Quentin Richardson, he also told us that his 2006 Suns team should have won the title. In the 2011 preseason, his Mavericks teammate Jason Terry was so confident they'd win it all, he got a tattoo of the trophy.
7: We used at Deshaun Stevenson house. We had a game in Orlando, and um, we went to his house and you know, a few, a few of the team, and we uh, was over having Barb eating and stuff. And then this tattoo guy came over there, and jet guy tattooed a tra- trophy on his, on his bicep. I was like, damn, dude. I was like, for real? I was like, okay, okay. I'm loving it. I'm loving the, the, the confidence and the swag we have right now. So like let alone don't nobody else know, don't nobody else in the world know we do we doing this and we are doing this right now. Because everybody everybody in the league has aspirations. A lot of teams have aspirations to win championships, but it ain't but maybe a handful that actually actually can't do it. You know what I'm saying? So we was one of those teams and like we sitting there going through this process and looking at this and uh, yeah, we was like,
6: Yeah. Did he tell you, Hey, I'm gonna get a tattoo of the trophy? Did you know as it was happening, or once he got it, he showed you? Hey, he's got a tattoo of the trophy. Well, it,
7: it was all—it was called all kind of one sequence. We hes like, we won the championship this year. I'm about to get a trophy right now. I was like, okay. We were like, okay. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: mean,
7: you don't get no better than that. Come on now, you don't get no better. Than yeah, that. it does You doesn't. don't get no better than that.
6: Kevin Willis never did win a ring, but he was an all-star and was one of the most dominant rebounders of his era. He spent year 16 of his career with the Toronto Raptors when Tracy McGrady was in year two and Vince Carter was a rookie. As expected, he had some pretty good advice for those kids.
7: They used to call me OG, "Old head things like that. And I was, I think I was in my 15th year or somewhere up in there. And it was like, yeah, man. I just tell him and T Mac. I say, T Mac, first of all, you need to you need to stop falling asleep on the bench and practice. You need to, you got to stay awake. You you keep falling asleep. I just tell him, and Vince, you guys rather hope that you get the fifteen years because you you little snot nosed rookies. But you know they were they were they were great great rookies, great talent.
6: Speaking of vets and rookies, when Suns legend Eddie Johnson got traded to Seattle. Gary Payton was a rookie point guard. And since everyone loves a good one about GP running his mouth, Eddie delivered.
4: And I remember one day at practice, I was there for about two weeks. And I remember he kept disrupting practice. And Gary's a smart guy. He had, he had a right to talk in that regard because I got to know him. He really knows the game, obviously. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest defenders ever. Now, but at the time, he was a rookie. And rookies were not supposed to talk under my wife because right. that's, that's what it was for me. And I just couldn't get over the fact that this rookie kept talking, you know, and I let it go for two weeks. And I asked Nate McMillan, I said, is it a point in time, man, when you all, like, going to say something to him? And Nate was like, man, you know, you know, Nate kind of shook it off. And I said, well, I'm going to say something. And lo and behold, one practice, he's got the yapping and, you know, coaches going over stuff and he yapping, he yapping. And I just finally said, would you shut the F up?
6: About 15 years later in Seattle, P.J. Carlesimo was coaching the Sonics with rookie Kevin Durant. When P.J. came on the show, he revealed how ahead of the curve his staff was when KD was on the floor.
7: One good thing we really did with him was we exposed him to a lot of things in terms of we played him at two, we played him at three, we played him at four, we put him in pick and rolls, we encouraged him to shoot threes. It's his only bad three-point percentage. If you look at his percentage year by year uh, in the NBA, it's far and away the lowest one. But again, uh, in those days, it was even a bigger jump from college three to NBA three and Kevin didn't shoot a lot of threes uh, at Texas and we, we had him do that and at times we were criticized like why are they playing this guy at guard why like why are they putting him in pick and rolls you know why are they letting him dribble the ball up the court because
6: he could. Staying with coaches Brendan Haywood won a title with the Mavs in 2011 and when he joined LeBron in the Cavs under David Blatt it was obvious when a head coaching change was needed.
7: We could see late in ball games if he had to draw plays. We could see he was super nervous; his hands would be shaking. He'd have to give the clipboard to Larry Drew. Larry Drew would draw the plays up. And when you see that, you understand like this dude ain't ready. He's not ready for this. He's not ready for this, and it's not his fault because he he thought he was taking on a rebuilding project. And then next thing you know, LeBron James calls up David Blatt and says, "I'm coming." And now instead of taking on a rebuilding project with Kyrie and Deion Waiters at the forefront of it and Tristan Thompson, you have LeBron James and Kevin Love there, and now you're competing for a title. Uh, I just don't, I, I think just Coach Black got hit with too much too soon, but it was easy to tell right away that Coach Black was probably in over his head.
6: Just like a head coach can lose a team, a woman can tear one apart as well. Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in the mid-90s as Grammy Award-winning R&B singer Tony Braxton came in between stars Jason Kidd and Jimmy Jackson.
4: I mean, it was, it, it ended up being Jason and Jimmy, all right, Jason and Tony. Tony's not caring about either one of them. And then the team was taking sides. So I'll never forget, we had we, we, we had a damn team meeting. And I said, guys, it's a woman that's breaking us apart. And it's. If the woman is that good, please, I want to see what her mother looks like, because I want (laughs) to date her mother.
6: Come on. Entertainment and the NBA will always be intertwined. The first to do that on the media side was the New York Post's Peter Vesey, who was also the sideline reporter for the national broadcasts on NBC. We asked Peter about his post-game interview with Karl Malone after the Jazz lost in the finals to the Bulls in 1997. The YouTube clip is titled, Peter Vesey tries to get punched
8: Carl was always a great interview he would never not answer a question you know we really didn't get along i i disliked him on many levels respected him on many other levels as a player but you know he was a dirty player and the first time that they showed it to me i didn't even remember it okay so i did this interview i had no agenda I was just gonna ask him some tough questions and um, I didn't care how tough, because I really didn't like him. So, <laughs> but I knew he was gonna answer them. <laughs> so so I, I wasn't, I didn't feel unsafe and I didn't feel like I was doing something wrong. And it really never, it never dawned on me that that came off the way it did. You know, my son would say to me, said, wow, what were you, what were you thinking? I said, I was just doing my job, but I I, uh, I had no mindset going in other than I knew he was going to answer my question. In
6: 1997, former head coach Hubie Brown was broadcasting for TNT, but five years later was hired by Jerry West mid-season to coach the Memphis Grizzlies. Point guard Earl Watson was in his second year with the team and was thoroughly confused when it all went down.
1: Jerry West introduced Hubie I'm 22 years old with Memphis, losing franchise, First time in my life i ever been a part of anything that was losing. So it was all new to me. Everything was like new to me. I never, it made me, it almost made me sick. He introduces Huey Brown and I'm thinking, I gotta call Bob because we just hired a TNT guy. This is crazy. (laughs) I didn't know his full resume, right? So the first thing he says to us, he takes the podium and he says, First, I would like to say, you all are fucking losers. None of you are winners. If you was a winner, the other guy wouldn't be packing his stuff with his family. See, you got on fire. You're fucking losers. I'm going to teach you how to be a winner. I'm going to teach you how to be a winner.
6: The Bob that Earl referred to was Bob Myers, his agent at the time and now the president of the Golden State Warriors. Stories like these are a taste of what rejecting the screen sounds like every week. So we hope you'll join us by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or download and listen wherever you get your podcasts.